0: Welcome to the first edition of Spotlight, um, PI media podcast where we tackle the latest in the world of private markets investing. I'm Bruno Alvis, senior editor for Infrastructure Investor. And I'm joined today by our special guest, Patricia Wilkinson, a partner at placement agent Threadmark with over 15 years of experience in capital raising and fund management. Patricia, welcome. Thank you. Um, I'm also delighted to welcome my colleagues, uh, Toby Michnell, senior editor of Private Equity International, and Jonathan Brass, senior editor for private equity real estate. Welcome both. Hi, Bruno. Hello. Um, Great. So in this first edition of Spotlight, we're going to be talking about hurdle rates. Um, As everybody who's listening probably knows, this is the performance threshold that GPs have to hit before they get to collect carried interest. Um, fees are apparently popular topic in private markets, but a few weeks ago we reported that the LPs for Blackstone's debut infrastructure fund um, actually managed to push Blackstone's initial 5% hurdle rate to 6%, and this happened prior to first close. Um, we talked to one of their LPs, they, they called the original 5% just not a standard hurdle, uh, quote, um, and Considering that Blackstone is essentially marketing uh, what what it calls a value-added infrastructure fund, uh, it's it's, a, it's an open-ended vehicle with with a 12.5% carry, but it, it is value-added. I wanted to start by discussing whether 5% or even 6% is actually. A low hurdle for that kind of vehicle, and I'll, I'll start. I'll start with you, Patricia, and feel free to to you know also kind of uh, set the stage for the state of play of hurdle rates. But uh, what what do you think is five percent, even six percent, a bit low for this kind of vehicle?
1: Yeah, well, I think it's probably worth starting off thinking about how we sort of thought that 8% was a, was a normal hurdle rate in the first place. And I think, you know, if we if we rewind 30 years back to the sort of the start of private equity when it first came over here, 8% was the number that was chosen, uh, which I understand was because that was kind of the return you were getting at the time on the stock market. So investors thought that was probably a fair starting point. So that's really where the 20 over rate started. Um as we know, like private equity is now very well established and infrastructure and in real estate, more emerging asset classes. I mean, they've been around about a decade now. And they rightly or wrongly just adopted that, that eight over 20, 20 over eight model um, as their starting point, too. And I think the question is you now, is that an appropriate starting point for sort of arguably lower returning strategies, so real estate infrastructure, they have, you know, they range anything from low single digit up to, you know, double digit, you know, tight teen double digit returns, um, but also for longer dated funds, so infrastructure funds, you know, are well known for having 10, 15, or if not 25 uh, year structures. So again, is that model appropriate? So when you sort of asked me the question about, you know, is five, 6% re- right for, for a value-add, open-ended infrastructure fund, um, I would say, you know, it's a difficult one to answer. When we look at a core fund um, in infrastructure generating, you know, or targeting a net return of around 10%, we might see, you know, typically see a um a hurdle of about 7% with a 15% carry. For those longer dated funds, core funds, 25 years plus we see people now moving towards a yield-based or an AUM-based carry, so not this kind of hard hurdle, because of course it's very hard to predict where interest rates, inflation rates might be, you know, five years is hard enough, let alone to five years. So we see people really moving towards that kind of structure now. Um, so for an open-ended fund, I would probably have expected to see that kind of approach rather than a, um, a hard hurdle. Um and then again for a value add fund, they're looking more at you know 12, 14% returns. So I'd say a 10% net return is probably on the low side for what you might call a value add fund. Um it's it's a difficult one. I think where the um the the trade-off is is on the fact they're only getting 12.5% carry rather than perhaps somewhere between 15 and 20 percent, which is what you might expect to see for a um, a value add fund
0: yeah and, that's, uh, and that's, that's, that's a pretty good point, and I actually want to draw on you guys for this one because twelve and a half it's true that that is on the low end for, for a kind of value add strategy which is fifteen to 20 as, as you said mm-hmm. um, do you Toby in, 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 in private equity, this is kind of where the eight percent started um, how do you how are things moving there for, for you know what would be comparatively a, a value add mm. vehicle? what are you seeing?
2: Yeah, well, I guess it, it's worth noting that the private equity in 2018 is a lower lower returning asset class than private equity in the 80s. So that's mm-hmm. one kind of consideration, and as well as the kind of a general low interest rate environment. Um, but in terms of stickiness, that 8% is basically hangs around in private equity, and and it's only in very isolated cases that a manager has enough kind of momentum or demand to change it unless they're one of the few managers who've never had one to start off with. But again, that's in the minority. I mean, we're looking at the data. I think law firm MJ Hudson recently surveyed funds raised last year, maybe, and came back with 75% of them had a hurdle rate of 8% or above. Um, And even that, when I speak to people in the market, they think that seems Quite low. They think it's more like that. Ninety, ninety-five percent of private equity funds might have an eight percent hurdle rate. Uh, but perhaps there's a few venture funds in there, kind of skewing the the overall average.
0: And JB, for you in um, in real estate, because obviously you're, you're tiered in a way that that's closer to infrastructure. When mm-hmm. it comes to the core, you know, the risk-return of the core and the core-plus funds. Right. Right.
3: Yeah. I mean, actually, it's funny to hear that 8% is is a norm for private equity where we probably regard that as low in, in real estate. Most of the times when um, discussing elements like hurdle rates, we're talking about the higher risk and return products, value-add and opportunistic strategies in particular. And, um, and, and, and in those products, um, what we've come across, what we've been told is that, you know, the typical range is between nine and 11. If you're at eight, you're probably doing pretty well. Your performance is of a certain um, strength that investors will expect you to be able to repeat that and, and are happy for you to have the, 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 the hurdle there. If it's higher than that, the chances are the reverse is the situation or you're perhaps a newcomer. Um, and so you've got to start somewhere. You probably don't have that much leverage in the negotiation with your investors on day one. So you start, with, start there with a view to creating some track record and hopefully bringing that, that hurdle down um, in subsequent
2: funds. So there isn't so much of a market standard, just a… It's, the standard is more of a
3: range, of uh, I mean, uh, uh, as far as uh, our experiences are concerned.
1: Yeah, and no, I totally agree with that. I mean, you might see a core fund with a hurdle of around 5 6%, so that's targeting a 7% to 8% return, let's say. But the value-add fund certainly sort of targeting a 12%, 14% net. You'd see them with a 9%, but a 20% carry being fairly standard. Mm.
0: It's, it's interesting for us in uh, in infrastructure. The way I feel is if you're if you're in the high you know the, the high end the value add side of things, you actually do end up having an 820 structure, mm. still fairly common mm. for for an asset class. Which I think even if you get the, the most out of it, it's still in in theory supposed to perform a bit below mm. what you would expect from from you know from private equity certainly. Um, but you know the stickiness, which is is, is something we you've already uh, started coming back to is it seems to be remarkable i wonder if if you have any insight patricia into you know nasa class like infrastructure why it's, it's so sticky there when you know the return profile is arguably lower
1: yeah, um, well, it's a good question, but I do think it ranges, again, between the uh, yeah. individual strategies. So, um, like I say, I think it can range anything between, well, between 7 and 8% is probably fairly standard for infrastructure. Yes, I mean, I that is sticky. Um, we would see, yeah, certainly a core, core plus fund probably with a 7% hurdle and a, and a value-add opportunistic with, with an 8%. But again, it's the carry percentage where it's where it differs. So, mm-hmm. you'll probably only get 15% carry for the core, core plus, and you can probably try and still get 20 for a for a um, value add type fund um but you've got to think about it all in the mix i think with the management fee the duration of the fund um and all that kind of thing as well so i don't think it's just as simple as thinking about the hurdle um by itself
0: yes no i think you're right about that and and i don't know it it may be worth um, you know talking a bit about just just you know how carry has also been coming down because obviously um for this kind of, 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 of structure that we're discussing with Blackstone, that the carry is, is much lower than, than what, what it started out as. Um, and in fact, the 20% carry for infrastructure is, only a few people can mm. get away with that, mm. so to speak. But I'm interested if you know the pressure you're seeing on the, on the 20% carry, is it the same for your asset classes?
2: Not for private equity, I don't think. Um, yeah, it just isn't the need to seed anything in that regard. Um, I'm sure there are isolated incidences of maybe first-time managers who want to build a special relationship with, a, with an LP, but yeah, I don't think we see any kind of pressure on the 20% character. Patricia, mm-hmm. I don't know whether you're... Um, you
1: no, said. I think 20% is, is fairly standard. Yeah, if anything,
2: um, there's more examples of 30% popping up as part of a kind of different package of terms for certain managers who, again, who can command that sort of demand.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the thing we're starting to see that is sort of differing in, uh, in the private equity space is that, um, you know, they're getting carve-outs, more junior executives, so the hurdle rate for those guys might be slightly lower than the 8%. So I think, you know, it's it's not, you know, people aren't, you can't wait as long now to get your carry, you know, 10 years is a long time. Um, and so I think we're seeing some funds keeping the 8% hurdle for maybe the senior executives, but maybe... You know, carving out 20% for a, for more junior execs with maybe a 6% hurdle or a deal by deal type uh, mm-hmm. carry structure um, so they can get their carry out a little bit sooner. But I think that's the only place where you might see the hurdle rate um, slightly lower, but you're still going to get the, the 20% share.
3: Mm. Are you seeing as many sort of micro considerations like that within real estate funds at all? I mean, I, as far as we'd seen, it, it's the hurdle rate itself had most focus on it. And the actual carry rate, you know, less so. I mm. haven't seen much nuance there. Yeah. Um, no, but maybe you would had a different experience.
1: No, not yet. I mean, I agree with you. We haven't seen that kind of structure coming through to any of the other asset classes. But, I mean, it kind of makes sense. So, I mean, I don't think it will be long before we do see, start seeing that kind of thing coming into real estate, infra and, and maybe credit as well. But... Um, yeah it's an, it's an interesting dynamic and because obviously lowering the hurdle is really just a timing issue right it just means you get your carry a bit quicker um so that's ultimately another way of doing
0: it i think it probably starts after this podcast actually yeah maybe (laughs) (laughs) um one thing uh it's you know we're talking about the eight and 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 a bit in general and as you guys several people have mentioned here we we should we should really look at it in terms of um you know strategy by strategy and and jonathan you mentioned that in in uh, core some core real estate strategies at least the um the that the hurdle is not not there, almost, uh, or, or not there at all, and meaning that the carry wouldn't be there also. And I'm interested because we still see it in, in infrastructure. We still see the um, the, the hurdle uh, on core super core strategies. It's there. It might be on yield. It might not be on uh, return. But it, it's still there. Um, but you, it seems to be different for you, right?
3: Well, I think if we think about you know the original uh, purpose of these hurdles is, is it's an indicator of the risk um, that a manager's going to take on you know it, they, they're going to target a, ter- a certain return they'll put that hurdle at that expected return if they do better than that return they get the rewards well if you think about core real estate you know there isn't much there shouldn't be theoretically much work to be done core means you know the the asset is well performing or it's perf- you know it's performing as it should the higher risk return strategies kick in uh, with a view to um, creating core real estate, so extra work needs to be done, and that 's where you know managers hope their expertise is is rewarded with some outperformance, and hence you know groups that are able to do better than the hurdle rate are are rewarded for that. I think if you 're finding core managers um, trying to shoot for the stars, then you 've got to ask yourself what risks are they undertaking with the assets they're acquiring. And so, is the is a discussion around hurdle rates really appropriate for this type of property buying in the first place?
0: It's a, a fair point, but Patricia, I don't know what do you think. What, where do you think we're seeing it in in infrastructure? That you know, even a hurdle on yield. Is it because even if you're, I don't know, handling a core utility, that the risk profile is is still a bit you know different, maybe higher than mm-hmm. core real estate? I'm just you know thinking where the outperformance uh, bit
1: comes yeah. into play here yeah so for these longer data strategies the 25 year funds i mean the core assets you know they're generating lots of yield you've got a nice 2025 year concession perhaps on your asset you know you know what's what's going to be coming through here so that's why i think that's a really appropriate measure for um for the carry, and yeah, you might have a two or three year look back just to make sure that you know you are consistently hitting those returns. And at the end of the life of the fund, you'll have like a, a you know big over you know overview and just make sure that everyone got their seven percent. And if not, you know a bit of clawback will, will come into play. But um, I think it's very relevant for infrastructure. And yeah, I mean, absolutely, same is true for for a core real estate fund. And we're certainly seeing that starting to come into play for those sort of you know mid single digit, high single digit um, returns. Um, So I I think we can see that that coming in more because it is a much more accurate measure, arguably, of of performance.
0: Toby, is there such a thing as um, core private equity then? Um There
2: is a nascent uh, group of core private equity funds. Um, But yeah, I'm not sure how the hurdle rate works on them. Okay. Um, But yeah, they all have slightly different structures in terms of how they pay out carry and how they calculate carry. Sure, I think it might be on a more of an annual basis rather than because they're sort of fifteen or twenty years rather than uh, sort of deal by deal or whole of fund.
1: Right, uh, yeah, and also the other thing you get to see is sort of the ratchet as well. So, particularly on these longer dated funds, you might get sort of a fifteen over seven or something, but then when you get to a ten percent return, maybe you might get that up to twenty percent. So, there are lots of sort of different, you know, ways you can you can now treat treat this sort of the carry in the hurdle. I think, and and investors are prepared. i well, you know, from what I see, to be creative and to, to reward the performance, But, you know, you've got to <laughs> start somewhere.
0: I think the uh, other thing worth uh, d- d- discussing is really, you know, especially the 8%, as you, as you pointed out, Patricia, this started ages ago, was set in a completely different, you know, macro environment. Um, it, it held out uh, remarkably um, long in a mm-hmm. way. But nowadays, one of the complaints that, that, that you hear is, okay, we're in a different environment much lower interest rate. There's a lot of competition uh, well, in all the asset classes. Mm-hmm. So this, you know, you can argue, this doesn't make so much sense, this 8%, if, if it's, you know, very, you know, hard to hit or you're in a different world. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much of this is true and how much of it is just, you know, Using the situation or leveraging the, the macro situation.
1: Uh. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, eight percent has been, as you say, has been around for thirty years. And we've gone through multiple cycles and multiple interest rate cycles from you know low the lower it is now, and it was what I put sort of twenty percent in the eighties, and it was appropriate then. So I think as we're going into a rising interest rate environment, it's probably hard to argue that if it's been okay for the last three <laughs> or true. five years, why mm-hmm. change it now, right? Um, so I think that's probably the struggle that that we all face in terms of trying to get. It down when interest rates are indeed increasing and again i think that's where you might start looking more at sort of yield-based strategies or or whatever but you know the um the credit market obviously do it slightly differently differently they're sort of getting a lower hurdle you know plus you know with a floating rate of cpi or Eurobord, whatever it may be and maybe that's a more appropriate model going forward
3: i'm all right in thinking though that you know when um when that eight percent typical hurdles was, was originally um Envisaged it was a reflection of what you what investors might be able to get on the stock market mm-hmm. um, and obviously that changes as the years go by as well shouldn 't the hurdle in a sense mirror what happens with with equities
1: yeah i mean it's, it's one way of doing it isn 't it but then it would always be moving it I mean would you want to move it throughout the term of the fund so it's quite hard, isn't it? Because well, if I mean you set it now, based vehicle. on the
2: last 10 years as well, you've been in trouble for the next Yeah, 10 <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah,
1: so that's the problem with these long, you know, closed-end funds, 10 years plus, isn't it? Trying to set it. So I think it would be difficult to to do that, but obviously nothing's impossible.
2: No, no. I've, I've always been intrigued as to what the actual <clears throat> the conversation looks like when you've got a GP who's got maybe twice as much demand as they've got fund size, so they can <clears throat> they can do what they want. Mm. How do they just introduce the idea that um, actually we've had an eight percent hurdle rate for the first eight of our funds this year? We're going to five or we're going to six or we're getting rid of it altogether. There's obviously various arguments you can make for doing that, but it just seems to be tricky in light of the fact, as I said, it's been that way throughout various different cycles.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, it, it may be different, but on some of the capital raisings you've worked on, have there been anywhere that they've been introducing a, a more GP-friendly term that is a sort of step out of line from previous fund iterations, and, and how do you kind of present that
1: as a as part of the package? Yeah, no, to be honest, we haven't really ever, you know, as, well, as long as I've been, like, <laughs> you know, widely tried to diverge from an existing, uh, you know, term like carry, and which is, you know, it's. Yeah, it's an important one, right? But it's probably the first one that GP talks about when they're sitting down to decide what their fund's going to look like and how they're going to structure it. Um, so no, we don't see people really trying to move it. I think if you were going to, you'd probably want to be having soft conversations with your investors for for a while before you sort right. of came out with the fund yeah. and just done offline. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just just work what out whether it would be this possible. Time yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, it's it's a difficult one, but I mean. It's it's a trade off, right? And yeah. as you rightly say, you know, when you're you know, oversubscribed and you've got, you know, two times demand for your fund, you know, you can dictate the terms. And GPs, you know, it's a very hot fundraising market right now. And it's you know, in a, in a different environment, it's it's not going to be so easy to, to trade on those types of of economics. I don't think.
0: I think there's a, you know, it's, it's a, it's a good point you make, Toby. There is a, I suppose, almost, should we go as far as saying there's a reputational risk involved in, you know, not so much maybe, you know, well, even in raising the question is, is, is there a reputational risk here? Saying, look, we're, um, we're going to go from eight to five. And, you know, does that, I, I have a sense that never plays well with LPs, but maybe I'm, you know. Well,
3: yeah. you know, the, um, you know, the hurdle rate, in real estate is for, for us, and when we're looking at the health of, a, of an organization, and I think they, they, you know, managers regard themselves in this light too. It's one of their magic numbers. And um, you know, inter, you know, beyond sort of in, in, indicating the type of transaction they would undertake, it's one of the best indicators of, as far as how they are regarded by their own investors, or at least how they like to uh, demonstrate they're regarded by their investors. These things are supposed to be you know, confidential, figures, but it's, it's fascinating just how many times myself or members of my team are, you know, discreetly told about the hurdle of, of a fund by the manager, as a, almost as a badge of honour, a point of priority, particularly if it's low. Um, and I can think of two examples in the last 12 months alone, one in Europe, one in Asia, where um, first-time managers uh, boasted about their 8% rate, um, off the record, of course, but uh, boasted about their 8% rate. Uh, because they knew it was below the, the market norm and obviously they're managing to agree that rate on the back of track records established prior to then launching this this vehicle for this particular uh, outfit they're working for um so sort of dynamically and uh, you know reputation it's, it's it's pretty important stuff
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. You've got to be able to explain the logic as to why you're yeah. doing it. Whether it's like as we discussed earlier, because you're trying to incentivize the junior executives, that's understandable, right? Mm. But it's uh, but if you're doing it for the sake of doing it, it's a bit harder to, <laughs> for an LP to swallow. I would have thought.
0: Well, here's something I always find a little bit uh, funny, and I'm, I'm you know uh, wondering if if it pans out um, because when I see presentations, I, I'm going go to go to Blackstone's presentation, but they're they're by no means the only ones, and it's not not picking on them, but you you know you will see usually a bit about the, the track record and, and it's usually for big names a good pretty good track record so in the case of this black zone infra fund even though it's their first vehicle you know they've been doing infrastructure for ages and they, they were boasting about a, a gross irr of 39 percent while asking for a five percent hurdle rate and, and they're you know by no means the only ones to be in this situation of boasting of great returns but asking for a hurdle way below what yeah. their track record is mm. And I wonder if I mean there won't be a way to tie the hurdle to an individual manager's return. But I wonder if, if that's ever a consideration. You know, if you're asking for a hurdle which you so vastly outperform, why not? You know, why not be comfortable with setting something higher?
2: Yeah. So yeah. for reputation's sake. Yeah. Have a hurdle rate of seventeen <laughs> percent. Maybe not that far, because (laughs) I'm worth it.
1: Thinking about the carry's path through remuneration, as we discussed earlier, yeah, you've got to look at the management fee, the hurdle, and the carry level really all as one. Um, Because, yeah, people are going to get paid on that. You know, the management fee obviously you get paid out now, and the the carry comes later. So, yeah, 100% agree with that. And again, yeah, with the market return, I think we've, we've touched on that. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the hurdle is really there I think for many reasons, but what the important one for me is the alignment, you know, between you, the GP and your LPs. Um, you know, makes people think about the risk reward and you know, what, you know, whether you know, think about what you're doing and the danger, of course, you set it too high, then and your funds in a difficult economic environment say, you know, let's go back sort of ten years to, to the late two thousands when a lot of funds are underwater. And there wasn't probably a lot of, you know, d- you know, probably was difficult to think you're ever going to get to your carry. So, what's the incentivization there? But, you know, as a good fiduciary, as a GP, you you, you keep working those assets really, really hard and you do everything you can to to um, to um make them do as well as they possibly can do. Because, I mean, even a lower returning fund is going to be important in your track records, you know, because you can explain that it was like post GFC and et cetera, et cetera, but you still got to work it really hard. So, I think. The hurdle is important in the alignment, but I think equally, I think, you know, in the sort of highly professional, you know, asset class, you know, all, all four of them credit in, for private equity and real estate. I think the people are out there to do as good a job as they possibly can for, for their in, in limited partners.
0: <laughs> and I think the uh, the alignment of interest point, which we've, you know, made and come back to is is. is, 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 is pretty important one. I mean, I just have this quote here, which I think is worth reading from from Stephen Mosley, and he's head of private equity at uh, Alaska Permanent Fund. And he uh, he told us recently something along the lines of, he, he'd happily trade away a point on the hurdle rate uh, for, for a lower carry, a European waterfall versus an American waterfall, or or even lower management fees. So he, he made it quite clear where it stood in his pecking order. Mm. And I guess, I don't know, I, I guess many other LPs might, might actually trade easily agree with them and trade a point for, you know, lower management yeah. fees, especially. I, I don't know if you also, if, if, if what you, you know, in terms of the wish list.
1: Yeah.
0: Is it the management fees that people would, LPs in particular, prefer to, to yeah. see take a hit or? Um,
1: yeah, I think, you know, I'm going to sort of slightly hedge this on, but, you know, it depends on the LP. Everybody, yeah, something, no, you know, they right. have different opinions and one thing matters more to one than the other. So I think it's always hard to find a, um, a consensus, really, on mm.
3: that. Of course, well, one I of these things is a definite and the others are, are possible, isn't it? So the management fee has got to be paid. Yes. Yeah. The performance hurdle might be paid or should be paid in theory Hopefully, that they do yes. the job and they get that. So I suppose if you can if you can um, reduce what has to be paid and, and know that if you're going to pay more on performance, well, then that means the performance is there, then it's mm-hmm. worth it. I can understand any investor saying that, I suppose.
2: The way I've had it expressed to me is that if you've gone through the process of choosing a manager and doing all the inv- uh, investment due diligence on them, then y- you are you have to be comfortable that they're going to be returning more than eight percent mm. net. Um, so the only thing you're really trading away with with with, with the no hurdle rate is is kind of cash flow timings. Um, and, and no one—I don't think any LP would say they—they they would rather not have a hurdle rate, um, or the, even that they don't care at all about it. But it's just that it's not, as you say, in the hierarchy of things to trade away. That's probably a nice high-profile one to mm-hmm. give Argan
0: up. <laughs> yeah. I guess to wrap up, it uh, maybe we can do a little bit of crystal ball gazing. Um, we could, um, we could, uh, well. Everyone's opinion on uh, where where the hurdle is going. If if it um, you know if it, if you think it'll keep being under pressure, and if you're particularly brave, if you want to put a number as to what the new normal might be, um, and I, I can go first, so I can cop out early. Uh, I think it will continue to be uh, under pressure, and probably an infrastructure start going closer to the seven percent mark, even mm-hmm. for you know value add vehicles. Um, but you know I will stop short of saying that the majority will transition to this. I think it'll take some time.
1: Uh, Patricia? Yeah, I'd agree. I think it's very much asset class dependent, and, and then sort of strategy dependent within each asset class. Um, you know, you do see some of the lower returning funds already. they you know they've got the lower hurdle, um, but I think it's hard to see some you know big movement away from the eight per cent in the in the near term. But
3: well, it's interesting. Now this conversation obviously started with the Blackstone anecdote um, related to the infra business, obviously in real estate. They are the, the current heavyweight champions. And they're also about to bring out the next of their um, global opportunity funds. The, the 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 sort of bargaining power they have right now is as high as it's ever been. Organizations like that, and it's not just Blackstone, but there are one or two others who simply have queues of investors for their products. Um, at a time like this in the market where A lot of investors are struggling to see their capital uh, actually committed to the market. Um, You know, those managers stand the best chance of being able to push the hurdle rate in the direction in their in their favour. I think, but I do also agree that for the majority, uh, the norm will stay the norm, and we'll just see whether those bellwethers are able to actually. Um, or any changes in uh, the docks, including the hurdle rate.
2: Yeah, I'd have to say the same thing. That it, If it's been standard for 8% for 30 years, then I don't see enough kind of desire for it to move as a, across the industry in any way, um, except for these isolated incidents where you're raising 15 billion and you've got 30 billion of demand, then why not have a go?
0: I think that's a good note to end on. (laughs) Um, Thank you all. Uh, That's a wrap.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much.